The Lord be with you. Yes, the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you have sent your Son to the cross to die for the sins of all creation. And all those who believe in this, you give the gift of eternal life. We must bear our cross on this side of creation as we await that glory. And we ask that you would give us a measure of patience and endurance like your son had, so that we may live to his name and to his glory, even in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I've got a handout. I will tell you right now, this was gleaned from a, a paper done by Dr. Rast um, for uh, yeah, Eighth Conference. Um, Good Shepherd Institute, that's what it is. So there's a whole book of this, and, and I put it down there, Journal of the Eighth Annual Conference. That's um, available from the Good Shepherd Institute. It's very good. Uh, but I just grabbed a few things out of here. Paul Gerhardt, hymn writer of the uh, 17th century, early to mid. Um, he was uh, born in Germany, which a uh, short walk from Wittenberg. He grew up in the shadow of Wittenberg University and was very influenced by the theology of Martin Luther and confessions. Um, he lived in the time of the Thirty Years' War, and as we've all learned before, just huge difficulties for the people of Germany in that time. And uh, the quote within this document was that in uh, this one area of Hindenburg, 75% of the inhabitants uh, were gone, destroyed, 66% of the houses, 85% of the horses, which you can imagine what that does for agriculture and transportation at that time, and 80% of the cattle, which doesn't do a lot for your food supply. And then comes pestilence and famine, and people ate grass and roots and leaves, and there was even some cannibalism reported. So he lived in very difficult times. It was also difficult times um, for the church in, in that it was a time of Reformation, but it was a time of Calvin, the uh, Geneva, uh, Heidelberg, uh, Catechism had been written, which uh, confessed the altered Augsburg Confession, which kind of did away with the real presence in the uh, Lord's Supper of the body and blood of Christ. And he stuck very closely to this confession that, you know, God was present in these things in a very true Lutheran confession. Um, the uh, a point in there is illustrated that uh, Lutherans of that time, they were crypto-Calvinists who would kind of hide behind the Lutheran label. And uh, Lutherans performed a rite of exorcism uh, at the time of baptism. They would, you know, it, it's still in, uh, I think the, the red hymnal has it in it, some of the older Lutheran hymnals, but it would be, you know, be gone Satan and make room for the Holy Spirit type of thing. And the crypto-Calvinists took this out because they really saw no power in that and power in infant baptism. So uh, it was just kind of part of their confession to leave that part out. To we don't Correct. Yeah, we do, but there was actually a separate rite before baptism. Pardon? 
it was a separate right that took place before the institute. But, but it is, we do, still do have that, you know, do you deny? Yes, we do. Um, they took that out, and, and uh, he would not sign the documents that the elector gave, you know, that, that uh, gave this, uh, that this had to be tolerated. There was the uh, Peace of Augsburg, which had been signed, I think, and it was such that the, the rule of the, of the elector or, you know, the power in that locality was the, his, his rule, his church. So he could say what church there was. So if it was a Catholic ruler, it was Catholic. If it was a Lutheran ruler, it was Lutheran. If it was Protestant, it was Protestant. They were not supposed to proselytize and one another. So a Lutheran could not speak out against the falsehoods of the Reformed, the Calvinist, or the falsehoods of the Catholics. And uh, Paul Gerhardt could not tolerate that. So he was removed from his church in Berlin for not you know, doing what was desired by the rulers at that time. Um, he suffered that. He suffered, uh, he suffered marriage. No, he didn't suffer marriage. He was married and had uh, several children with only one making it past infancy in this time. His wife also died before him in 1659. He lived until 1676. Um, but I guess the point is he, he was a man under great trial, and he wrote hymns and poems that spoke of this cross that he bore. And um, do you say gladly? You know, he was aware that this cross was necessary to understand, kind of as Luther did, you know, the, the glory of Christ that's been given to him, that had been won by Christ. So near the end of his life, um, he wrote this, this piece on the second page. Uh, it says, before the time of the death, he penned this, and I'm just going to read this. Now that I have reached my 70th year, I also have the joyous hope that my, clear, that my dear beloved God will soon deliver me from this world and bring me into a better life than I had on earth. So I thank him before all of I thank him before all for all his goodness and faithfulness, which he has shown me in body and soul from my mother's womb up to the final hour. And you know, there you even see this in the womb. He was created by God. He had faith in this as well. And everything he has given me. In addition, I entreat him for, from the bottom of my heart that when my moment comes, he will give me a joyous departure, uh, taking my soul in his fatherly hands and giving my body a peaceful rest in the earth until the last day. And, you know, you wonder, what's a, what's a joyous departure? Um, you know, in the medical community, we certainly can see a joyous departure sometimes, and other times a not-so-joyous departure. But it's not so much the way we die, it's where we are when we die, and that we die in Christ, and our departure ends in our eternal glory with, with God in heaven. Um, take my soul into his fatherly hands. I mean, you know, just like, just, just carry me away and, and give my body a peaceful rest in the earth. So, so he didn't hold to this rationalistic view that, you know, your body is nothing. He held to the body is this wonderful gift of God, so wonderful that he gave his son a body, just like ours, in order to affect our salvation. Um, so he had value in that body that it would rest in the earth. 
uh, until the last day, that I, with all my own who have been before me, and also those in the future who may remain after me, shall again awake. And it's, you know, this idea of sleep. You know, the Old Testament says, and Joseph slept with his fathers, or, you know, and so there's this idea that death is not final. That the face, that, and that face to face shall view my dear Lord Jesus Christ, in whom I have believed and yet never seen. And that face-to-face is, uh, is, you know, that's all present throughout the Old Testament, where God was face-to-face with his people um, and comes face-to-face through Christ on earth with his people. And as we talked about in the sermon, you know, here is Pilate face-to-face with the incarnate God made man. And he's like, what's truth? So um, I took, if you look for this article, and I've got it if you really want one. I suppose I could print one off. I didn't say that. Um, but I can, I can show you where to get this book. Um, but several hymns are gone through. He, he, Paul Gerhardt wrote 139 hymns in German, also 15 Latin poems, and 17 of his hymns are in the Lutheran service book. And they're dispersed throughout the whole church here, so they range from uh, him, uh, what did I say, 334 to 880. So he's got Advent hymns, he's got, you know, Easter, he's got Lent, uh, and hymns on the Lord's Supper. Um, but I took this one out of that article from, uh, that is one of his Advent hymns. And it gives you, just, to, we'll read through it, but it just gives some insight into his thinking and his confessional thinking. Um, as he writes these poems and hymns. Uh, So, I guess I'll just read. O Lord, how shall I meet you? How welcome welcome you aright. Your people long to greet you, my hope, my heart's delight. O kindle, Lord, most holy, your lamp within my breast, to do in spirit lowly all that may please you best. Your Zion strews before you green boughs and fairest palms, and I too will adore you with joyous songs and psalms. My heart shall bloom forever for you with praises new, and from your name shall never withhold the honor due. And I mean, you, you, this praise, and it says he had many children. I think I read someplace else that he had like six children. So if you can imagine losing six children, you know, before they get out of infancy and still be able to hold this great hope. Um, and then to even, you know, to think of your own death. I lay in fetters groaning, you came to set me free. I stood my shame bemoaning, you came to honor me. A glorious crown you give me, a treasure safe on high that will not fail or leave me as earthly riches fly. And of the, the loss in that time for all the people that suffered through this war, and this was our prayer today too for those that... Uh, are suffering through hurricanes and disasters in the South, that somehow through this suffering that they can see the grace of Christ, even if that is just what comes to them through the hands of Christ's people. Love caused your incarnation, love brought you down to me, your thirst for my salvation procured my liberty. O love beyond all telling that led you to embrace, in love all love excelling our lost and fallen race. Rejoice then, you sad-hearted, who sit in deepest gloom, who mourn your joys departed, 
and tremble at your doom. Despair not, he is near you. There standing at the door, who best can help and cheer you, and bids you weep no more. He comes to judge the nations, a terror to his foes, a light of consolations, and blessed hope to those who love the Lord's appearing. O glorious sun, how come, now come, send forth your beams so cheering, and guide us safely home. Uh, one of my professors, and I'm trying to think it was uh, Jeffrey Pulse, uh, spoke of this, you know, judgment, and oh, this judgment. He goes, there is no judgment for those in Christ. You've already been judged. You've already been declared righteous because of Christ's death, and there is no judgment in the resurrection. There is only glory in the resurrection. Uh, the judgment was placed on Christ, and so, you know, your deeds are going to be judged. Well, the deeds will be judged will be your good works that you have done, those things you've done that you don't know that you just do, and God works them for his will and to his glory. Uh, but if someone is going, well, I've got this good thing I did and that good thing, I'm going to be judged. Well, they're going to be judged because they're putting their hope in their own works and not in Christ. So it's very good to remember that your justification, your righteousness, comes from Christ and what he has done and not what you have done or I have done. And that is really where Gerhardt found, I think, great comfort in that no matter what life might say of, of, you know, oh, all this has happened to you, you must be this poor, miserable person. He had great riches in Christ and great glory in Christ. We'll close with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you for your gracious mercies you give every day. We ask that you would protect us this day as we travel and those who are traveling today also and on holiday. Bring us safely home. Bring us safely home to our rest in you eternally when you are ready for us on that day. In Jesus' name, amen.